listeners, you can call us live on the air. The phone number is 407-582-2906. You can also chat with us online through Intern Pursuit's Facebook live chat. Coming up on this episode of the Intern Whisperer Live, this coming fall, looking for internships? Sign up with Intern Pursuit or contact Isabella at Isabella at InternPursuit.tech. This week, we are raising awareness about the future of commuting in mass transit. So, how can you find Intern Pursuit? You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can find our game on Facebook and Twitter, and you can listen to us live on MixLR forward slash MixLR.com forward slash Valencia College Radio. Follow Intern Whisper. And you can watch us live on Facebook. Make sure you follow Intern Pursuit. And then you can listen to us live on the air. The phone number again is 407-582-2906. And you can chat with us online. Maybe we'll be lucky and somebody's going to chat with us today. So, Intern Pursuit's Wild Card Show today is featuring commuting in Central Florida in the United States and what the future of commuting and mass transit may look like. When you hear the word commute, what comes to your mind? Headaches? Back-to-back traffic while driving to work is what most people share with us. Which takes us to mass transit and how it impacts employers and students alike. We hope it provokes a conversation about how each of us can make a difference and reduce our carbon footprint on our planet. So I have the first segment, and we're going to talk about commuting in Central Florida. When it comes to getting around in Central Florida, commuting by car is the option that most residents choose. Maybe that's not surprising, considering Orlando was always designed for car travel between the far-flung suburbs, strip malls, and giant parking lots. We went to the streets asking people why they embrace mass transit as their preferred method of commuting and listen to what they had to say. And we're going to ask five questions. The first question is, what type of commuting do you do here in Central Florida? I mostly walk since I work in the downtown, but I also end up driving a lot just because Orlando can be very spread out. The kind of commuting I do is I, I take the train in, and um, it, it's a very comfortable ride. I, I can do work on the train, or I can just relax, so it, it makes for a good commute. So, we have some questions. We're doing a show on commuting, and my first question to you is, uh, you work downtown, so what type of commuting transportation options have you used to get to work? Um, I've used the Lynx, the city bus. Mm-hmm. We've all experienced that. And currently, I use Lyft. All right. Thank you. So... Orlando Family Magazine shared most of Central Florida's past has been built around cars and highways. The future, according to our transit advocates and experts, lies in public transportation. Let's look at the options available in our own backyard. We have Lynx bus. Have you guys ever ridden Lynx? No, I have not. Um, (laughs) No, not counting the school stuff yet. Um, Sunrail Metro. I haven't. I actually took SunRail from DeBerry all the way in, 51 minutes long. It was really nice, mm-hmm. constantly going, nice ride. Lime and Hopper bikes, do you guys use the bikes on your campus? 
I've used it once or twice, maybe. I personally haven't. I just walk. <laughs> okay, walking's good for us. Yeah. And then we have uh, Lyft and Uber for those that prefer to have somebody else drive. Mm -hmm. And the age-old pedestrian mobility, walking. Okay, we all know how to walk. Okay, so the Lynx bus reported that commuting trends that were published by the Florida Department of Transportation in cities in Florida said that 79.2% of the commuters drive alone. That means there's a lot of people just driving solo in the car. That's kind of uh, sad. That's a lot of consumption of gas going out there. And that's slightly lower than that of 2015 with a 2.9% above the national average. So we drive more than the national average here. We've got a lot of space we drive around in. The number of commuters driving alone in Florida grew by 147,514 in 2016. And Lynx's 2017 fiscal year ridership was up about 24.8 million. And preliminary numbers for 2018 estimate that it will be up by about 400,000 people by the uh, fiscal year, which was actually last month. So we're going to listen to a couple of other little short quotes uh, from the people that we interviewed on the street thing about commuting and remember you also have bikes I don't know if you guys use bikes but it's bikes walk uh, train bus what's the best thing about commuting well well when you say commuting there, 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 there's a bigger issue there I work from from home a lot so so that that makes it really convenient I only commute in, into the downtown when I have to meet with people. So so I, I'm coming downtown commuting e each day. And like today on the train coming in, I was I was able to listen to a podcast and relax. And, and then part of it part of it was getting ready for the meeting. So so that it, it allows me that, that period of time to to, to to settle in. Yeah, I guess the best is just it gives like he's saying it's a little amount of time where you're just you have nothing to do but I guess focus on, on something um, and I a lot of times I'll try to like learn Spanish or something productive while I'm just waiting in traffic so SunRail we have that also as another method of being able to get around our Central Florida area, which spans Volusia, Seminole, Orange, and Osceola counties. And this is a real dilemma for our county because there's a lot of discussion going on about where the funding is going to come from to expand it all the way over to Tampa, from Daytona all the way to Tampa. Right now, SunRail actually operates in a deficit, and there's a lot of people that are saying, hey, we want to be able to ride it on the weekends, but they're not seeing that they're breaking even on it yet. So they're looking at how they can increase ridership and be able to make a profit and then provide people with what they're looking for. SunRail opened in 2014, and it was a significant first step that we had connecting all of our counties, Osceola, Volusia, Seminole, and Orange, by train, and last year, when the 17-mile southern expansion opened, linking Kissimmee and Poinciana to the rest of the line, daily ridership numbers reached an all-time high of about 66,000 people per day. And that may not sound like a lot, but just think there was potentially 6,000 less cars on the road. Yeah. Yeah. And have you guys ever driven on I-4? It's a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. So 6,000 less cars, it could be something that's sizable there. 
Although politicians, experts, and transit advocates say the future of Orlando is based in public transportation, Central Florida is still mostly a car commuting metropolitan area. To support all these drivers, the ultimate I-4 project was born because they're just making it like, I don't know, it's like eight, ten mm -hmm. 10, you know, cars wide. It's yeah. just going to be gigantic. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine it. And then we have the Lime and the Hopper bikes and walking. And that falls into data reported in the 2019 Commuting Trends in Florida, a special report from FDOT forecasting trends. And the office shared that we see bikes that are strewn all throughout downtown Orlando, yet the commuting trends data states that there's been no significant change in commuting by transit, walking, or bicycling. And from 2015 to 2016, transit used for commuting decreased by a 0.1% in both Florida and nationally. And what I've seen is, since I work in the downtown area, there's a ton of those bikes all over. They're on every corner, and they're either laying on the side. They seem to be something that when everybody goes drinking, they try to ride the bikes. And so they end up in places that are just over on in the bushes or they're in the, you know, right on the curb on the street. Somebody had told me in the office, we were talking about this uh, just even last week on Thursday after the Wednesday night show, that I think it's Lime has the scooters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in some other cities, that's more of the focus. And I heard that the company's trying to shift a little bit more that way versus focusing as much on their bikes. Yeah, but they also were telling me that there's been some problems because, like, people in Miami, they'll they'll be drinking too much also, and they take the bikes, and then they throw them over the balconies, and that could potentially hurt people on the street. Mm -hmm. So that and then throwing them into the pools, which I, maybe they aren't as likely to do that with the bicycles. I'm not sure, but, mm. yeah, the trend. Of, now, are these, like, scooters with handles, Mel? Mm. Is um, that what you've seen? Yeah. Well, I haven't seen them personally, but I know, like, yeah, in other cities, those are more popular versus the line bikes that they have here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, versus, yeah. like, a hoverboard. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> So my guess is that the factors that are weighing in for why people are not using the bikes and walking is, well, it's really hot. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then we have the inclement weather. It rains pretty much every day in our hurricane season time in Florida. And that the bike density is, like I said, it's really very fierce downtown, but you don't see it in other spread out metropolitan, outside of the metropolitan area. So I'm going to make a guess as to that's why maybe bikes are not as popular because people have their own bikes. But for our listeners, if you would like to see the latest news about Central Florida commuting, be sure to visit the 2019 Florida Commuter Transportation Summit page that was held on May 29th through the 31st of this year in Sarasota, Florida. We're going to share these links in our social feed so you'll be able to access them. And our sources were Florida Magazine, Trends in Florida, Commuting Trends in Florida. And there's a special report by FDOT, the 2019 Florida Commuter Transportation Summit, and then Rethink Your Commute to explore your options. So Central Florida Mass Transit and Commuting, how does it stack up against other cities in the U.S.? and the future of mass transit and commuting segments, well, keep listening to the story because Jonathan is going to tell us what that looks like nationally.
First up, we have our first patron. We have Pixel Crawler. Pixel Crawler is a suite of tools that audits, monitors, and historically tracks the pixels implemented on your website. There are strong dependencies built on the consistency and accuracy of the data collected by tracking pixels, and Pixel Crawler will help ensure all data is being collected as intended. Their website is pixelcrawler.com. Thank you. We're about to touch on the national uh, side of the commuting. Now, what do we see as mass transit looking like in the United States? Well, after a $22 million pilot project that featured 2,800 connected vehicles navigating through Ann Arbor, Michigan, auto industry experts have called this emerging event uh, Internet of Cars the most powerful innovation in the industry since the invention of the car itself. They believe it has the opportunity to fundamentally shape driving patterns and create huge gains for the economy and the environment. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration estimates that connected cars could reduce non-impaired crash scenarios by 80%, with car crashes killing almost 33,000 people each year and sending another 2.2 million to the emergency room. The emergency technology could prevent a staggering loss of life and potential. Also, I could see smartphones being a superior way of transportation through Uber, maybe Lyft, as well as services for train times and destinations and get there efficiently and, yeah. So what's really interesting is that you're sharing about how the mobile devices will be able to help with that. Mm -hmm. And one of our employers is Omnimodal, and they're going to be a guest on our show that people will be able to hear about how they're pulling all of that communication together into one location so that people can find it easily, whether it's train, bikes, right. whatever. Yeah. Also, according to the Texas AM Transportation Institute, the average auto commuter in the United States spends 42 hours per year in traffic. So I definitely feel like doing commuting and going, maybe it'd be carpooling or just going on the bus, it could definitely reduce that hours per, per year that you're standing in traffic. Do you guys carpool? I do with my friends sometimes. Otherwise, you're one of the lone car riders? Exactly. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I'm usually a lone car rider. Um, occasionally, if I'm out with my friends, we'll just go in one car, but... Yeah, typically it's just me by myself. Yeah, mm -hmm. it really requires that we make a commitment if we're going to actually try to make a change in that area. Mm -hmm. And we're so used to that as people. Yeah. Right. Drivers in the, in the 15th largest U.S. metro area spend an average of 63 hours per year stuck in congestion on the way to work, costing an average of $1,433 per person. The subway system, also known as the Metro or Metro Rail, handles over 200 million trips per year, making it the second largest system by ridership in the U.S. That is in addition to an, a bus system that handles another 130 million trips every year. Holy cow, Batman. That's a lot of trips. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that is. You know, in bigger cities, they are really very, I guess, focused on that because, right. again, the population density and the jobs are all very, very close, and they can actually, you know, take advantage of it because mm -hmm. I don't know about you guys, but I've been to Boston and D.C. and San Francisco, Atlanta, Chicago, you know, all of the really big cities, and their uh, mass transit would be like every five minutes, yeah. like the bus comes every five mm -hmm. minutes, whereas in Orlando, it's every hour. You know, sometimes it's every 30 minutes if it's UCF and Valencia. But right. the train comes about every 10 to 12 minutes. So it comes way faster than what we're used to here in Florida. Mm -hmm. Big changes. Yeah. 
Well, I touched on before, I definitely feel like carpooling lanes can help commuters reach their destinations more quickly, encourage people to socialize a little bit more and spend time together while reducing that air pollution in our air. So we're going to go transition to our first clip of our national uh, commuting. I was also going to ask, have you ever done any, um, use any commuting options outside of Orlando or Florida? Yes, um, I travel a lot. We touched a little already about future commuting, and I feel like since the new concept of the Hyperloop proposed by industrialist Elon Musk, which also invented projects such as SpaceX and Tesla, he's having this idea that consists of two massive tubes extending from San Francisco to Los Angeles, and it would be consisted in a pod carrying passengers that would travel through the tubes at speeds topping over 700 miles per hour which I thought was insane. For propulsion, magnetic accelerators will be planted along the length of the tube, propelling the four, uh, pods forward. The tubes would house a low-pressure environment surrounding the pod with a cushion of air that permits the pod to move safely, uh, safely at such high speeds. A one trip from on the Hyperloop is projected to take about 35 minutes, which is in comparison to the same travel distance as a car, which roughly takes about six hours. So I know when we were talking about this, I was uh, going, okay, that's very reminiscent of like the, the tubes at the bank where mm-hmm. we yeah. put our money in and zoop, <laughs> and it goes in there. But, you know, my concern was, well, what's going to happen? Like, am I, am I protected? What happens if they all like get stuck and they're jammed and then how do people get out i mean there's like Mm -hmm. all kinds of safety concerns that came into my head but it's intriguing it sounds a lot like it's a uh, a ride at at a major theme park more (laughs) than anything and it's hard to imagine being able to move that fast you said 700 miles 700 miles 
Okay. So at the end of this show, what I guess I, I think that we all need to think about is, well, what is the one change that we're willing to make mm-hmm. to make that difference? Because we're bringing awareness to this. Certainly, I ride the bus. I don't have a car right now. But when I do have one, I believe me, I'm going to continue with mass transit, like mm-hmm. the train for sure. I like the train. And even still, the parking issue downtown, if I could just park closer, I would still probably take my car in to be honest just because the bus is just not very convenient because it runs every hour but what do you guys think you would do i know i said i'd save it but what the heck we've already talked about it what are you going to do i feel like i would be open to a new transportation system like this like i think it's obviously concerns are valid but i think that's concerns always arise when there's something new or different but i mean people were even speaking about uber and lyft and concepts like that mm-hmm. and at first that seemed like crazy but now it's something that's a part of people's yeah. everyday lives mm-hmm. that people regularly use so i think it'll be easy to integrate yeah, i agree with you i definitely agree with her as well i definitely think that this would be something i would use personally just to go back home from south florida over here it would definitely take what 30 minutes from doing it in a car which would take about three hours or four hours so it would definitely make things a little bit easier as far as the transportation and how our future will look like in the future Acknowledge artistry.io. Thank you, artistry.io, for being a patron. Artistry.io is a product customization tool for e commerce stores that increases revenue, customer trust, and business efficiency. Artistry's robust product customization allows business owners to sell personalized products in an existing e-commerce store and automate the processing of custom orders. The website is artistry.io. Thank you for being a patron of the Intern Whisperer Live. It's going to be self-driving cars. I think they're already here, and eventually everyone's going to have them, and it's just going to be kind of an automated transportation system and we can all have that kind of lifestyle like he's talking about with you just relax and it just takes you to your destination you can read or work or whatever as do you, you think they're going to be flying cars no no, no just, okay. it's like like we see now um mm. the, the teslas and things like that but i can see it becoming less like cars and more just ways to transport us around mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not quite sure if we're right there with flying cars yet, but a lot of times when we do talk about commuting in the future, something that's really a big part of that conversation is the idea of self-driving cars. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that people seem to be really uneasy with. I know Isabella's opinion on it, but um, self-driving cars, well, it's honestly hard to call it the future because it's already something that's in development now. I know someone mentioned before Elon Musk. Tesla's CEO, he's made claims that by the end of the year that Tesla will have the technology to create these self-driving vehicles. Over 60 companies in the U.S. are developing autonomous vehicles, I apologize, which in a layman term, self-driving cars. But there's actually a lot of doubt about this technology. I know Stephen E. Schaldover, he's a retired research engineer at the University of California. He calls these claims that a lot of companies are making hype. 
he's actually been a part of creating the technology for self-driving vehicles for 45 years. And in a statement, he said that the technology does not exist to do what he is claiming, he being Elon Musk. He doesn't have it, and neither does anybody else. So I think when we're talking about this, we have to say what the definition of autonomous vehicles or self-driving cars is, which it's supposed to be a vehicle that can guide itself without human conduction. So it kind of makes me wonder if maybe what these claims are saying, maybe if it really isn't living up to the hype that these companies are saying or describing as self-driving vehicles, will it really be how we imagine it to be? Or if it's just a marketing tool? I think it's a marketing tool right now. I think it's definitely something I can see. That is, I mean, obviously, we've, we've read all of the um, stories that are out there, but we've listened to them about autonomous cars that are driving mm-hmm. people around, and they are working. There's been some accidents, you know, and that's to be expected just because it is a new technology and they're going to have to figure the bugs out. There's even been some loss of life mm-hmm. that has occurred. But the ability to have vehicles that can just drive you, I personally think it's going to be like Back to the Future or, you know, (laughs) cartoons where we see cars that are flying. I think it's going to go in that direction where you're not going to be bound by just the road itself. I think it will be something that's bigger than that. And that's going to be super cool. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I think Elon Musk, he's a visionary for sure. He's had some trouble with the Tesla. You know, recently mm-hmm. where, you know, it's been kind of put on the shelf again, but it's going to it's going to come. Yeah, I know that even locally, it's a discussion that's happening about being implemented in our own communities. I know that in Lake Nona, uh, Beep, which is a autonomous bus company, has future plans to release an autonomous shuttle into the community of Lake Nona. Legally, there would still be somebody required to be in the bus just to look over certain functions, I'm assuming, but there's no brake pedals, there's no steering wheel in the vehicle itself. Okay, and I know when we were talking about that, that made me really uneasy to just sit here and watch a a vehicle driving. I'm going, well, where is that person going to be able to put a kill switch or stop something from happening? And I think Jonathan said, what, it's like a button? Uh, Hopefully it would be like an emergency pedal or something. Yeah. um, Yeah. You stop it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm assuming there has to be some sort of controls. Mm -hmm. So, because if they're going to put a person there, there's probably something that they would have to do in an emergency. Yeah, and some training. I wonder if if that would still even count into the definition. Okay, Uh, you're kind of out in the Lake Nona area, aren't you? Yeah, I'm nearby. It's still not there yet. Like, I haven't seen an actual date yet for this company when they plan to release Mm -hmm. the bus. I just know that there was a few articles about it in the Sentinel, and there's a lot of hype about it, but... Well, keep us posted, because when you get out there, if you see it, I'm (laughs) going to want to know if you get on it. (laughs) I'll do it for research. Okay, good. (laughs) That's good. What you say is the future of commuting? Oh, I I hope that someday the U.S. catches up with the rest of the world, and so that we have a lot more public transportation, so you don't have to depend on cars. It's so much more relaxing, so much better for the environment. Well, when looking into uh, transportation in other areas of the world, we really have to look at China as a leader in that, because I know that's something that's a bit more popular is electric cars. China's current leader in the sales of electric cars. In 2018, more electric cars were sold in China than the rest of the world combined. And while this is more of a 
normal idea. It's not something that's really taboo in terms of transportation. I know that something that's developing is the idea of a hydrogen fuel vehicles. Wang Gang, a man central to China's electric car movement, now believes that hydrogen fuel cell vehicles are the future. He was able to help in developing the city of Shenzhen, which is dubbed China's Silicon Valley, and is currently the only city with 100% electric buses. But with the idea of hydrogen fuel cell vehicles, the way it's meant to work is it's supposed to create a chemical reaction to produce energy that converts hydrogen stored in the vehicle into electricity, and which will emit only water vapor, hmm. which is insane. Um, so, yeah, similar to electric vehicles, it's supposed to help in reducing, you know, gas emissions. This isn't this plans to reduce that, and just in creating a health, healthier option for those who, you know, drive by themselves or aren't going in public transportation mm-hmm. and utilizing that. So, a gentleman, his name is Larry Wexler. He has invented a car that is. Um, and he has a prototype of it that runs by solar en- energy. And at one time he came down and he and I talked. He was looking for some help with his business plan. Um, his, it's hard to imagine because, you know, a vehicle is a big piece of machinery yeah. that runs, you know, and have to be, uh, it would have to have a lot of ability to pull that energy in to fuel the engine to make the the actual car run. Right. The government uh, was also funding, I remember seeing this uh, several years ago, and I looked it up, I want to say, well, maybe eight years ago. They were giving grants to put solar energy in trucks, like hmm. semis, to be able to move equipment or move um, food, and that's a really heavy weight. So the technology is there to actually do that, and a solar-powered car, the sun would actually go and uh, power the battery, and it would have to be able to be either recharged, like a plug-in in in an electrical outlet, or it would have to have some type of a backup, you know, gas, just in case the solar battery would go out. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of really great technology out there with being able to make people be kind to our planet, to be able to, you know, save our planet, hopefully, so that we are here hundreds of years from now. And then the ability, and with what other countries are doing, is really amazing. The hydrogen fuel cells, though, I know that we were talking about that. That could potentially be kind of dangerous because they're explosive, right? Yes, because one of the difficulties with implementing these technologies is really just how you're really going to just put it into everyday life because with this, it's one of the challenges with hydrogen vehicles would be in storing the hydrogen itself, which you mentioned is could be flammable if it's stored incorrectly. And also, one of the key components of this would be platinum in creating this type of technology. So that's also a high cost, which is another difficulty that comes with implementing this. So, yeah, it's definitely something that's still... In the, in the idea works. of research? Yeah, in the works, in the idea phase. It's not something that's been too implemented into our lives. But I know that there has been some of these vehicles created. It's just not really that regular people are really utilizing these. Mm-hmm. Really amazing stuff that's out there. Yes. And um, aside from technology, there's also going to be changing trends in how people actually commute. There's going to be an increase in what people call the reverse commute. Rather than people traveling from the suburbs to the city for work, there's going to be an increasing shift that's already happening in offices moving outside of the cities and into the suburbs. 
This is mainly due to rising real estate costs. And according to Brookings Institute, only 55% of urban jobs are found within 10 miles of a traditional downtown area. Wow. Yeah, I've seen some people that are uh, from downtown, and they will take the downtown train to Lake Mary because yeah. that's becoming a new technology um, area mm-hmm. where people are actually, uh, a lot of the tech companies are in Seminole County, mm-hmm. and they're all populating in there. So some people, not so much, are wanting to stay and work in downtown. Yeah. They can find just as much in that Lake Mary area. And it's very convenient. It will take them straight down to the bus. Uh, the bus will pick, I mean, from Sunrail downtown to Sunrail and Lake Mary, and the bus will pick them up also and take them someplace else, and Uber and Lyft are just as available. But in Lake Mary, it's pretty close to walking distance, even to the, the main city hall area. So they can have their meetings very close. Hmm. All right, so looks like we're at the end of our show. <laughs> Time flew. Okay, so as we are getting ready to sign off, um, we want to acknowledge Valencia College. Thank you, um, Q, for letting us be here on this campus, and Valencia College also for letting us have our show. We appreciate the -the state-of-the-art social broadcasting studio, a great atmosphere, and all of that. Let's do our shout-outs. Jonathan? Shout-out to my family in Key West right now, living life, and as well as (laughs) you guys. uh, I love being here, as well as the atmosphere and the positive energy that you guys give. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to the individuals that we were able to interview for our show. Uh, I want to thank them for helping us create our show and yeah, just thank you for taking the time to speak to us. Yeah, that's that's good. Thanks. My shout out goes to everybody in the room. Corey over there in the corner, me being our photo guy and also <laughs> making sure that we have little video clips to go out in our social so our listeners can pay attention to those. And then thanks to all of the rest of the team members that are behind the scenes that you guys don't even get to hear. But also for our guests, the past guests, our upcoming guests, we're really excited about them. This next week's guest is going to be Baron Mills with the Florida Association of Veteran-Owned Businesses. So stay tuned for our next show. And if you want to try and reach us, you can contact us at info at interimpursuit.tech. You can go to our website. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and you can listen to us live on mixlr.com forward slash and oh, uh, Apple Podcasts. And then as we close the show, we want to thank you, our listeners. So thank you very much. Have a wonderful 4th of July weekend.